I wonder if you can remember getting ready for your first job interview, where impression is everything. First impression is everything. Uh, maybe if it was in high school, you had a parent standing there making sure your shirt tail was tucked in or your slip wasn't showing or whatever it took to make that right first impression. Marketing is all about first impressions. My, my wife worked in real estate for many years and curb appeal, for those of you who are in that business, is everything. If you walk to the front door of a property that's for sale and you see that that door hasn't been painted and there's a little bit of brown dirt here and there and so on, unlikely to sell. And selling and getting attention and being first in your marketing niche is just about everything as far as the competitive world we live in. And Jesus is involved in making a first impression today. This, the opening chapters of the Gospel of, of St. Mark are kind of a warm-up. The, the real Galilean ministry, the extensive ministry of Jesus comes along in a few chapters. But these warm-ups, these warm-up experiences and tryouts, it's like a, a Broadway show that has previews over in New Jersey before it comes across the river. <laughs> Close. Close, yes, yes, yeah. close. Or Alabama. <laughs> Before it comes to Texas. Yeah. Better, better. So here is Jesus in his adopted hometown, the place where he has gone to live. And he's got some of his smaller, but not the whole core of disciples yet, but he's got his, the beginnings of the 12 with him. And he does what Jewish men do. They teach in the synagogue. You know, it, it's odd for us to imagine uh, the way synagogues were organized, but they were generally pretty informal. Uh, they didn't have an equivalent of, of a rector or a full-time preacher, and they managed to get along reasonably well that way. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> It's different today. It's different. <laughs> but in the synagogue, there was a ruler. There was a, a, a person who was called the ruler of the synagogue. That would be the rector, I suppose. But his job was not to be the primary preacher every week, not to be the Sunday or the Sabbath day teacher. That was left to the men who were part of the synagogue, ordinary folks, lay people who had been instructed and studied and were ready to teach. And they learned all of their teaching skill from the scribes, which is why it gets a mention. When Jesus teaches with authority, and it's unfortunate that Mark doesn't tell us what he said, but you know, when Jesus teaches, he says things like, well, it's been written thus and so, but I tell you, you know that phrase, I tell you? That's what Mark is making reference to, and that comes up in other places in the Gospel and in the other Gospels as well. Jesus is not afraid to give a new commandment when it's necessary. And in 
the teaching in Capernaum today, he apparently did something like that, said something like that. In another gospel, we see him teaching the first day in Capernaum, and he says, this scripture, he reads from Isaiah, and he says, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I am fulfilling this scripture by what I am saying to you, is what he's saying. And it's about the Spirit of the Lord being upon him and the reasons that it's there. So it, was a, it caught their attention. The first impression of Jesus was very strong because he wasn't like the scribes. The scribes were important. They, they were the first century equivalent of Google. <laughs> you had a question. You wondered what the law on this, that, or the other might be. You would go to a scribe and put your problem in front of the scribe, type in whatever your thing is on the Google page. What am I supposed to do about dietary rules on such a day? And the scribe would act just like a search engine does. The scribe would begin to tell you what this authority had said about it, what that authority had said about it, what rabbi so-and-so had said about it, and run through countless authoritative things. And then at the end of the search, he would say, so, based on everything you have seen that I have told you that comes from our history, comes from our authoritative teaching, this is how you should handle this. This is what you should do. But scribes were not original thinkers. They were not expected to come up with new teaching. So when Jesus says things like, I give you a new commandment, or you've heard it said, but now I say to you, that got their attention. But you know, there's also, we are not unaccustomed to hearing people speak well and speak persuasively and sell themselves. But what backs up that authority? What makes it clear that you really do have something to say? And it's the action that goes with it. If this church were built entirely on what we say and we never put it into action, what, what good would it be? What, how persuasive would it be if we were to speak the gospel and not live it? If we were to talk about the power of God and not show it? That's why our work in mission, that's why our work in outreach. That's why our work in education is so important because it is putting into action and backing up what we say. And Jesus's first impression is no different because he goes on, whatever he said that got their attention, the sermon was good, but the action was even better because the action sets a man free from a demonic possession. Right in front of everyone, right there for everyone to see, Jesus confronts evil and wins simply on the strength of what he says. Wow, said the congregation. Wow, who is this? Not only does he give us new teaching, not only does he give us new teaching, but 
The spirits even obey him. When he speaks, he means it. And his fame began to spread. This tryout, this preview, was a huge success. It's for the benefit of the people in Capernaum. It's for the benefit of the new disciples who were throwing in everything with Jesus. And they all see authority. Who is this? What is this new teaching? It's going to go on. Jesus is going to demonstrate that not only can he teach and tell you with authority what the word of God is, he's also going to show you that he can control nature, evil spirits, sickness, and even death. That's quite a lineup. That's quite a lineup. You know, one of the things I can remember about going to the State Fair of Texas, and I haven't been there in decades, but when I was young, one of the things that always happened at the State Fair of Texas was going to this gigantic hall that had all of the new cars in it. Do you remember that? Anybody ever done that? You could go in, and my dad was never interested in shopping for cars. He was a GM man, and it didn't matter. They could have produced the ugliest car on earth, and he would have bought it, provided it said, body by Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> but here in front of everything was a spread of automobile flesh and beautiful ladies also standing by those cars with the hoods up for some reason. I, I can look under the hood and look impressive when my car is broken down beside the road, but my real question is, what am I going to do next? <laughs> but that, that hall was there in order to help you see what you could not do without. And Jesus, in the same way, has shown us in just a couple of verses here from Mark today what you cannot do without. So I wonder why so many of us keep on looking for the other model. Keep on looking for something that has just what we need. When right in front of us, right in front of us, in our hands, in our mouths today, is everything we need. Amen. Amen. Amen.